you. You can keep your hands ready to be put together for Pastor Jim. You have an incredible pastor. I don't need to tell you that, but thank you. Thanks for letting me be here. Um, as we were worshiping, it's not in my notes, but uh, I don't know if that means it's dangerous or it's God, but you guys can just figure it out. But um, as we were worshiping, Luke 12, there's this beautiful story where Jesus is preaching and he's saying things like, don't worry about what tomorrow brings. Consider the sparrows and look at the squirrels and look at all the things that God takes care of. They don't worry and they, they look how like beautiful their jackets are. And he says, God knows even the hairs on your head. He cares about you so much more than he cares about that stuff. So a quick word for you is one, you're not alone. God cares about you. And during this message, it's, it says in the Bible, you can read it in, in Luke 12, during this message, Jesus is preaching. He's saying he cares about you. You're not alone. And there's a person, I envision them in the back. I don't know. But somebody in the back says, hey, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. You can go read it for yourself. It's exactly what happens. It's kind of odd. The ushers weren't doing their job at that, that particular service. They should have pulled that guy out, but they didn't. And Jesus if it were me, I would say, hey, if one of you guys stands up and wants to have a, a debate about inheritance right now, we can do that after service. I would just tell you calmly to, to stop talking and we'd move on, right? But Jesus doesn't do that. He goes into this parable and he talks about this man who built these huge barns and had great success. And then this man is talking to himself. He says to himself, self, I've built lots of barns and I have lots of success and eat, drink and be merry. In literally the entire story, there's no wife, there's no kids, there's no future, there's, there's nothing except this successful man who obviously picked the right crops to put into the right soil and was wildly successful and he tore down his small barns and he built bigger barns and he sat all by his lonesome in his own, just Scrooge McDuck swimming in his own coins or whatever. And it says that, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, you fool, this very night, everything you own will be taken from you because you're going to die. Then who's going to get everything that you've toiled for? And Jesus goes on to talk about putting our treasure in heaven. I just want to, the word for you today is one, you're not alone. God cares about you. God cares about every single minute detail of your life. He cares. He cares. He cares. He cares. And He's given you and I some treasure. Of course, I'm not just talking about money, but of course, I am also talking about money. It's not just our money. It's our dreams, our thoughts, our ambitions, our influence, the, our families, everything that we do. It's treasure, our time. I want to extravagantly give my treasure to the only place that really is going to last forever, and that's heaven and the purposes of heaven. I want to pray with you. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. God, we love you. We worship you. We thank you. We give our lives to you again today. In your holy and awesome name we pray. Amen. You know, in the Bible, it's clear, unapologetically, disproportionate time is spent in the Bible about all nations and all people groups and every ethnic and every tribe and every tongue. If you take your Bible and you take a highlighter and you start to highlight the parts of your Bible that say every tribe and all nations and all people and Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth, you start in Genesis and you go all the way to Revelation. Nearly every chapter of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelations, you'll have parts of a highlighter, maybe the whole chapter in some places. 
if you do this, your Bible will slowly turn the color of a highlighter. I unapologetically am pushing my life and anyone who will listen to my life towards the mission of God, and that is this, that God is the only God. Jesus is his son. He came, he died on the cross, and he rose again so that all of us could have eternal life. That's the number one thing of, of, of God, of the message of the Bible. Number two is that God is still alive and wants to live among us. Yahweh is up there. He came down here, and he still wants to live among us. And as a result of him living among us, he wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to all nations and all people groups and every tribe and every tongue and every ethnicity and every far-flung person. You show me someone that's too far gone, that has sinned too much, that the blood of Christ is not strong enough to cover their sin. You cannot do it. Everything we read in the Bible, everything that the Spirit tells us is that he is for everyone. And he wants to deploy you and I to be part of it. My wife and I were missionaries in China. We, we spent over a decade there working focused on the Kampa Tibetan people. If you've read our newsletters or you've seen our stories, you've seen the highlights of our mission story. And I'd like to go into some more detail in the next couple of minutes with you, if that's okay. Are you guys good? You can elbow the person beside you, be like, today's gonna be a good day. It's gonna be awesome. Um, June. 2007, I found myself in a shady hotel in Shenzhen, China. A man was speaking to about 30 of us that were huddled around the room. I, could, I couldn't understand a word that he was saying. He kept on saying things like, wa ai, ta ai, ta jenda ai. And the word ai just kept on jumping out at me. I, didn't under, I barely knew how to say ni hao at the time. I, I didn't know any Chinese culture at the time, but it, this word ai just kept on jumping out at me. I assumed it was his version of um or the something that would be used frequently in normal conversation. As we left that secret meeting, I asked my friend, what was that man saying? And what was the word I? There was, some, there was some power. There was something attached to the word I. I'm really curious. And he said, that's how you say love in Chinese. And he said, I said, well, what was he preaching about? And he said, it's all because of love. It was because of God's love that Jesus came and died for us. It was because of God's love that his father was put in prison during the Mao Zedong times. It's because of God's love that he continues to meet in secret, but preach publicly and use everybody's life. And it's because of God's love that they pray for China, that they risk imprisonment, that they still to this day meet all across China. It's all because of God's love. And as I felt the Holy Spirit impacting me, like I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit is impacting you even now, I got onto a crammed subway and I started to notice people. It was no longer just a sea of Asian hair. Instead, I saw business people that were stressed out. I saw moms holding screaming kids. I saw students that were stressed about taking the college entrance exam and wanting to be successful. I saw street sweepers and I saw everything in between. And I was broken for the lostness. I saw the hollowness of their eyes, that they had no hope in Jesus and that there was very little access to the gospel on that subway. And then this little Asian lady came up to me, shoved her hand in my chest, put her finger right into the center of my chest and said, do you know why I love China? In perfect English. Do you know why I love China? Because of all the people. And then she disappeared. Not like disappeared, but like disappeared into, to, there's a lot of people. I do believe that she was at least sent by God. I don't know if, I, I, don't, I have no idea if she was an angel or not, but she gave me a prophetic word at that moment. 
Do you know why I love China? Because of all the people. And from that moment on, my life has been dedicated to those that don't know Jesus, to the, to the neglected and the far away, to those with the least access. Those of us with the most need to bring it to the least. I want to pause here and I want to welcome the Lord. I know it's strange that my sinful voice, that a weak person like me would be the one to welcome Jesus, but would you welcome God with me? We're in church. This is not an entertainment service. I'm not here to preach good for you. We're here to minister to the Lord. So with your own voices, on the count of three, I'm going to put the microphone down and we're going to welcome Jesus into this room. We're going to welcome him beyond this room into our life. Are you guys ready? One, two, three. your presence. Lord, I don't want to be part of just another religious service. God, even, even mission services, God, I know they're at the center of your heart, but we can, we're flesh, and we're bone, and we're weak, and we can make it about our agenda. God, I pray that your spirit has your way here. We pray like you taught us, your kingdom come, and your will done, right here in Fenton on this day, the nine o'clock service, just like it's in heaven. God, give us a taste of heaven. Help us, Jesus. Worship you in your holy name we pray, amen. All right, awesome. You rock, thank you. Um, Our longing to experience God, our collective desire to walk with him and see his power displayed on earth leads us to one place. We desperately need revival of the matchless and powerful, unstoppable love of Jesus. We have to proclaim this magnificent love to the farthest parts of the world. We must, this is our only hope. Culture today is so perverted, so anxiety producing, self-centered, yet self-masticating, that unless We lead the charge in fully embracing the greatness of the Father's love for you and I. This generation will perish. I don't have to tell you that there's an all-out satanic attack against our world. Mental illness, confusion, pain, abortion, porn, rape, drugs, depression, suicide, child abandonment. All of these things are at historic highs. And it's not just America, it's globally. I have the privilege of serving over 368 missionary units, missionary families, in 122 countries. We interact with them daily, and what we are experiencing in America is not just because it's America or because it was an election season or whatever the things we want to think where it's isolating to us. It's at a global scale. The world is dying and needs Jesus. I'm not here to just preach another good sermon, have us say that was a nice Sunday, and move on with our insulated lives. The world needs you. I beg of you, on behalf of North Korea and Northern India, the Amoretis that I was hanging with a few months ago, or a month ago, those that have millions of dollars and don't have Jesus, and those that have nothing and don't have Jesus, they need you. Globally, we see terrorism, religious oppression, nation against nation, 
Christians being persecuted, missionaries and pastors being beaten and imprisoned and killed for their faith. To put it frankly, outside the walls of this church, the world is dying. There is hope for our global generation and for the future of the church only if you and I unite in taking this beautiful gospel and proclaiming this magnificent kingdom at enormous cost to the people and places where the church has not yet been planted. This is our only hope. Be not mistaken. Let no one lie to you. This great and global commission will cost some of us our lives. It will place some of us in jail. It will, the cost of completing this great commission that we must pay is immeasurable. It's incredibly encouraging to me to come to Fenton and realize that there's a church here, there's an army of the Lord here that is working on the same things that the church in Lansing is, that's working on the same things that the church in China is. It's incredibly encouraging to me, but that doesn't mean that we need to diffuse our responsibility. The Holy Spirit is calling you specifically, I mean you, yes you, to do something magnificent, to, to represent the magnificent gospel that's been given to you. It'll place some of us in jail. It'll cost some of us our lives. But proclaiming this gospel that Jesus gave us, this great love, is our only hope. Again, there is hope for this world, for the future of the church, only if you and I unite in taking this beautiful gospel to the people and places where the church has not yet been planted. I believe that we can do this. I believe with the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can do this. It is possible. I believe we must do this, and I believe there is no other way. Because of this, as a veteran missionary, I have two pieces of instruction for you, and that is that you abide and that you humbly abandon. You must abide. I know this is a big, it's not really a big word, it's five letters, but it's a church word, abide. We're going to get interactive for a moment. What does abide mean? What in the world is abide? My 13-year-old daughter, you guys have youth church. It's amazing. She's there instead of poking my wife. But my 13-year-old daughter, if we were going to explain to her what abide is. Abide is hanging out with Jesus. Abide is spending time extravagantly with him. Abide is the same as my arm is abiding with my body. If you look at your body, like if you were to cut your arm off from your body, your body's still there, but if you were to cut your body off from your arm, your arm is no longer there, right? Your arm is going to die. You and I are the fingers, the arms, the hands and feet of the body of Christ, and we must abide with the body of Christ, otherwise we will not complete our mission. To complete the Lord's commission only if we return to the power of our soul's first love. We will complete this great commission if we return to the simplicity of just Jesus. We will see our hands performing miracles, our tongues proclaiming prophecy, only if we run from all that is selfish and lustful and abide in just Jesus. We try to tack so much stuff onto it, but the Lord wants just him. There's so much stuff that creeps into your life and mine. But we have to get back to just Jesus. We will see revival only if we embrace the suffering and the daily sacrifice of this high calling of our normal saintly life, our daily life. We must embrace this kingdom, and therefore we must fully abide with this Christ. John 15, verse 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 
It's the 9 o'clock crew. I know you all brought your Bibles. You got it on your phones. You're ready to go. If not, I think it'll be on the screen. It's already there. Awesome. John 15, verse 4, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 7 goes on to say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, for I have determined to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. Later, Paul worried that somehow his followers would drift away, that they would start adding things to it, that they would complicate this message with their own religion and their own pontificating and fancy ideas. And he wrote this in 2 Corinthians verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may become corrupted from the simplicity that is Christ. Some of you know my China story. If you saw my newsletter, you got the highlights. Here's the quick version. There was nearly a thousand people that came to the reading of the Bible. It was revival while we were in northern Sichuan, Shanbei area, Han Chinese people mostly. Then the Lord called us to move to, China, or to, to Tibetan areas. We worked there. We saw thousands of Han Chinese. We saw handfuls of Tibetans. We saw miracles. I broke my pelvis. I couldn't walk. Doctors told me it'd take me 18 months. I'd always have a limp. I'd never be able to do this. I'd never be able to control going to the bathroom. I'm grateful that I can do this. I won't demonstrate the other, but I can still, but I can do it. I have my own free will when I want. Um, it's amazing. So some of you know that part of my story, but I want to tell you the full version. I know you guys have 50, over 50 missionaries that you support scattered all over the world, 50 missionary families. We were one of them. 14 years ago, I landed with my family in China. It was December 20th. I know this because it was our wedding anniversary. Six months before, my wife and I had counted the cost and abandoned everything to obedience and sold everything we owned except for six duffel bags. We emptied our bank accounts. We walked away from good jobs, gave everything to the mission, and got on the plane. Our two babies, our six bags, and Jesus. Our bags went to Hong Kong, but we went to Shanghai. We spent five days waiting in the Shanghai airport, wondering what we would do with just the clothes on our back. We'd already emptied everything. Like, that literally was everything we owned. On Christmas Day, we celebrated with a clean pair of underwear and a stuffed panda keychain that I used our last dollars to buy from an airport's convenience store. The adventure continued. We got our bags, thank Jesus, and moved west into the city of our calling. When we landed in that city, they put us in a police hotel. They cut off all communication, and we sat there for five days wondering what we had signed up for. Looking back, I realize now it was a soft-grade interrogation for five days. They're wondering why you're here, what you're doing. Finally, we made it through that. We got into our apartment. It was covered in coal dust and soot and dirtier than we could imagine. Within a few days, my daughter had broken her collarbone. We went to the hospital, in quotes, tried to get that sorted out. One of our team members that lived above us was attacked and molested. His son was molested at school. Our lead team member that we were there to serve, she got breast cancer within, within a year, was dead. Within one year time, everybody that was there on the team with us was gone, and it was just us. During this time, I wrote one word in my journal, alone. A demon-possessed man attacked our three-year-old, our then three-year-old daughter, Ellie, in the streets. 
He demanded that she kiss her. He violently attacked her in her stroller. It was everything I could do to get him off of her. No one would help us. This was our reality. I lost 80 pounds in one year from stress and diarrhea. My daughter had Giardia. We were held by military. We were robbed at checkpoints, interrogated by communist officials. And all the while, I would pour my heart out to Jesus. And I would sing, and I would cry, and I would moan. And Jesus would walk with me. And oh, how sweet his presence. And oh, how great the presence of the Lord was in those moments. I would walk through the dusty streets, and I would sometimes fall on my knees. And I would sing, I need you, Jesus. I need you, I need you, I need you. And he would come. He would be there with me. And the closer I got to Jesus, the more unimpressed and ashamed of myself I became. As the Lord came near to me, and me near to the Lord, I became painfully aware of his holiness and painfully aware of my imperfection and his perfection, of my humanity and his divinity. The closer I got, the more ashamed of my sin I was and the more captivated by his glory I was, astounded by his love for the lost. That those that oppress me, and please understand my story is kindergarten compared to the oppression and the things that other Christians have to go through. But that those that would oppress me, the Lord loves. The Lord dies for. Even my enemies, even his enemies, the Lord died for. Keenly aware of my own inadequacies, I would find myself walking down village streets and mountain trails, falling to my knees, producing a sound that sounded something like painful mourning and something like singing. Church, our only hope is Jesus. We must latch on to Jesus. Our power is not in signs and wonders, as the Bible says that even those will deceive the elect. Our power is not in prophetic utterances, as even those have a temporary role. Our power is rooted, rooted, centered, and completely fulfilled in abiding with Jesus, being connected to the vine, the one that is love. Everything you did this weekend, it, you might think it came out of you, it came out of Jesus. Everything good that you've ever experienced in your life, it came from Jesus. Every good emotion that you have, all the love that you have, all your ability to love, it comes from the one that is Jesus, that is love, Jesus. When we look to Jesus and he comes to us, he anoints and calls and baptizes us with the magnificent Holy Spirit. And when the kingdom comes and we see his will done, Jesus is all we need and it's all we long for. When all we have is Jesus and Jesus is all we thirst for, we find ourselves standing before men and women with faces shining and shadows healing and eyes piercing and tongues praising. We abide. We find our purpose, our passion, and our power when we abide. When we abide, we are forced to take stock of our lives, of our weak and our weak, lame desires, our foolish ambitions. And in that powerful moment, when we humbly abide, all that we are and all we ever wanted to be becomes fulfilled. Church, I know your whole life you've been told. It's not just my generation or the generations below us that have been told, younger than us, not below in some stature, but 
that have been told that they can have anything they want. They can be anything they want. They can create anything that you want to create. We've been told that our whole life. Your flesh has told you that from the day you were born, you can have anything you want. If you cry hard enough, you can be anything you want. If you work hard enough, you can, you can create anything you want if you're innovative enough. And this is true. You can have and be and create anything you want. But if you chase them and not Jesus, then all those things, all the, all the people that you were destined to influence, you and all the people you were destined to influence, will still be doomed. There is hope for you, for your family, for the nations, only if we unite in taking this beautiful gospel at enormous cost to the people and places where the church has not yet been planted. I believe we can do this. I believe we must do this. And I believe there is no other way. Therefore, we must learn to abide and humbly abandon. Some of you need to sell everything you have. Some of you need to work longer hours and Give it to kingdom builders. Some of you need to leverage the connections you have and, the, and offer them to the Lord. God is asking some of you to set your alarm and pray before the sun comes up. God's asking some of you to make Jesus personal in your life. He's a personal God, and he's going to ask you for personal sacrifices and offerings. All of us, we're all called to abide. We're all called to humbly abandon. I want to just let you know I'm like, I, I told my pastor, I resign from ministry if we're going to do ministry the same way that it's been done for the last century, where we just do our religious service on Sunday morning, and you guys judge me whether or not I was a good communicator or not, and you go home, and, and in Lansing, I don't know the statistics here, but in Lansing, there's 130,000 people in Lansing, and then 90,000 in East Lansing, and in Lansing, there's 200 churches, and there's about 30,000 people that go to those 200 churches, and if I were to say something dumb Sunday morning in, at Mount Hope, they would go to South Church, and South Church would say, revival, a thousand people have come to South Church. And then if South Church says something dumb, then they come to us. And those same 30,000 people get recycled around 200 churches. All the while, 100,000 people are marching towards an eternity of suffering. I would love to believe that it's different here in Fenton, but I'm promising you it's probably similar. Unless you and I do church differently, unless we take it past an hour on Sunday morning and we abide fully 24 hours a day, seven days a week for every part of our life, nothing off limits for the Lord, so that he can use us to proclaim this magnificent gospel. I have some seeds here. They're cilantro seeds. Awesome. I wasn't sure. I got to save some for the 11 o'clock, but I have cilantro seeds here. Does anyone like cilantro? I actually love cilantro. If I were to take these cilantro seeds and I throw them here, even up at the altar, we could sit here for a thousand years and there will not be any cilantro here. I could, I could plant, this whole thing could be full of seeds. Nothing's going to grow here. We could sit here, we could praise Jesus, we could woo, grow in the power ha, of the Lord. Ha, I declare cilantro. Ha! Nothing's going to happen. Nothing is going to grow. Why? Because there's some other components that need, in, in God's design for things to grow, there's, an, there's a few other components. One of them is dirt, and the other is rain. If I take this cilantro, and I place it, you guys can't see it, but there's some great, this looks like good, hopefully this isn't manure, I need to wash my hands if it is, but... Not too bad, sorry. <laughs> um, 
I need to get my hands dirty. Can I just be real with you for a minute? I'm going to stop preaching for a second. I just want to talk to you. This is me as well. I have more money now than I've ever had in my life. I own more property now than I've ever owned before. The Lord has blessed me, continues to bless me. My wife and I have emptied our bank accounts for real more times than we can count. For real, emptied like zero. Um, And the Lord continues to bless me. He enables us to be seed planters. But some of us, myself included, have bags full of seed that hasn't been put in the dirt yet. Here's the thing. Don't pray for more seed. Pray for better soil. Pray that God would put you in settings like this where you could invest in things like kingdom builders that you know your seed's going to grow into a kingdom harvest. At the end of the day, yes, in this life, God has a habit of blessing you. But at the end of the day, I don't care. Because as soon as I die, I promise you, you and I are not going to have this, uh, this conversation. Man, I wish I just hung on to more. I wish I just was about my own business and not the Lord's business. If there's going to be regret in heaven, which I, I doubt there is, but if there's going to be regret in heaven, it's going to be, I wish I'd put the kingdom first. I wish, I'd, I wish I had pushed out a little bit further. I wish I threw that net on the other side of the boat like those other guys did. I wish I just listened to the Lord more. John 12, verse 24 says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This is the humble abandonment. I want to pray for you. Pastor Jim is coming up here. This is serious, non-religious, life-invading stuff. Whether or not you're in a place to take it seriously right now, I beg of you, when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, go for a walk, whatever it is that you need to do, get face-to-face with the Lord and ask him what he wants of you. Make that exchange. Connect yourself to abide with the beautiful presence of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I ask right now that you would flood and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we recognize Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us so that we can speak in tongues. That's not what it says, Jesus. It says so that we can be witnesses. God, I ask for a missionary impartation on the Freedom Center right now. God, I ask that everybody within the sound of my voice would not be able to live the same, that when they get their hair cut, when they buy groceries, when they interact with their neighbors, when they go to work, when they talk to their employees or their bosses or their coworkers or their teachers or their classmates, that they would show love, that they would feel your magnificent love for them. Bless them, Jesus. God, and I ask this one thing, that you would make our lives a little more dirty. God, put some dirty people around us. Put some dirty adventures around us. Cover us in dust. When we land in heaven, may our knees be covered in soil because we've been kneeling, planting in the dirt. God, and we ask for your holy rain. God, would you pour out rain on us? Pour your holy rain. All we can do is dig in the dust and plant our seeds, but without your axe, Without you bringing in the harvest, without you pouring out your rain, it's all for naught. So God, I ask that you would pour your rain on these seeds. In your holy name we pray, amen.
for thousands of years, God reached out to mankind. And he sent prophets, and he had kings write down proverbs and psalms and books about love and a coming Messiah. And the Old Testament's a pretty prolific piece of literature. Would you agree? It's no, it's no small work. So why is it that at the end of all of that writing, writing about sacrifice, about worship, about blood, about holy days and holidays, why is it that the words of God themselves, apart from becoming flesh, were insufficient to save? God loves the world enough that he sends his son to become a missionary to the planet, but the word of God has to take on flesh. Does that make sense? And then dwell among us. Jesus doesn't say, read my book. He says, follow me. There's things we're going to learn by doing that we'll never learn by hearing. There's things we're going to learn by going that we'll never learn by staying. There's things we're going to learn by sacrificing that we'll, we'll never learn by, by storing. And I hope that you hear the heart of our speaker, our sermon, uh, this church. We are not manipulating. We are not even motivating. We're simply illuminating to the fact. Does that make sense? That unless those who have give, unless those who are here go, unless there are people who hear the call of God and obey, then the call of God stays words. Words need to take on flesh. Words need to take on substance. And so as my wife is going to share with you these projects, they really are. It isn't like a goal. It's not like a program. It's we're going to take the lonely and we're going to put them into families. So we are all for the feeding of the hungry. How about you? We're going to do something a little bit different this year. We're going to invite them here. And we're going to enjoy a meal with them so that God can put the lonely into families. How many of you guys think it'd be great if we could empty every nursing home in 48430? The, the, the rehab centers and the Whaley's Children's Homes. And, the, and this place became a family-set table. And at the end of it, then we send them home with food. But we send them home with more than, than just food because the soul doesn't just need turkey. I'm not saying turkey's not good. The soul needs people, needs family, needs love. Love has to take on flesh or it's just the substance without it. So Christmas, our missionary force, the 50-some missionaries, what we're about to do now is something that will echo for eternity. And so I'm always going to come and share just a, another thought or two. We're going to pray, and then I'll close out the service. Um. We do want to say that if you're a guest with us today, we do not want you to feel compelled in any way to sow seeds right now. We want you to be our guest, and we would never ask you to come to our home for dinner and then expect you to bring the dinner, right? Um, so we are just so thankful that you're here with us today. If you would like to, though, you are more than welcome. Um, if you would like to do cash or check today, you can do it on your way out. We will have ushers standing at the door. There are envelopes in your seat pocket in front of you that um, you can market kingdom builders you can market general fund and you can put it in the bucket as you leave if you would like to do it digitally you can do that there's a kingdom builders card in front of your seat pocket that you can take out and fill that out as well you can do your um, checking account into your credit card and you can sow seeds into kingdom builders that way and a general fund does that as well. So, or you can also go to the app. There are many ways for you to sow seeds. And we just want you guys to be a partner, that you would sow those good seeds in good soil. And I believe this is really good soil to sow into. So um, we just invite you to be a part with us. Isn't it neat when you can take a dollar and turn it into a fulfilled promise that God makes, an answered prayer 
that a single mom or a single parent would say, I've got nothing for my kids this Christmas. And then that, that prayer is answered through what we're about to do. So I, I find missions and those in need to be great soil. If you read the Bible, like reaching the lost, caring for those who have a tough time caring for themselves, that's, that's about the best soil you can find. So, um, just before we, we close in this closing prayer today, I'd like to also say this. If you heard Pastor Jeff's words, you're like, man, my life feels uh, minimized. Like when I, when I hear about emptying out a bank account, I get mad when I have to leave a 20% tip. When I hear about going to China and breaking bones, I, I feel weird like just running a 5K and the pain and the agony I have to go through. Like, like you might realize today that, you know, everything's good. Like I, on the, the day of judgment, I've heard people say, I hope I'm in line behind Adolf Hitler so I look better. I hope I'm not behind Mother Teresa. Because I don't want to be, how many guys don't want to be next in line after Mother Teresa, right? But I'm just simply saying this. I, I don't think God's going to compare you to Hitler. I don't think God's going to compare you to Mother Teresa. I think God's going to compare you to the you he created you to be. And so if we could turn this entire room today into an offering plate, I think it'd be a better picture for us just to stand in it and say, here's my life. Here's my breath. Here's my substance. Here's my strength. Do with me as you wish. I think that's an appropriate living sacrifice. Does that make sense? So, Father, right now, before we close, I pray if there's anybody here that, like, man, my soul is empty, and I didn't, I didn't realize it until something full stood in front of me. My, my life is self-centered. I didn't realize it until something that wasn't stood in front of me. I, I thought my life was hard because I have these blessings I have to maintain, and I, today I, I, I didn't realize what the rest of the world is going through. Today, God, I don't want to just have my sins forgiven and, you know, say a quick prayer and, and have faith that that's sufficient for heaven. My desire is to bring the substance of heaven to earth through my life. And so here, oh God, is the realities of my life. There's the things that I'm not that I should be, and I ask for mercy. There's the things that I am that I shouldn't be, and I, I pray for mercy. Here's all the days that lay out before me that only you know the number. And I, I pray, God, today you would take all the remaining breaths and make them count in a way that all the former breaths didn't know how to count. All the thoughts, all the actions, all the deeds, all the sacrifices, God. To be covered in the dust of my rabbi Jesus would be the greatest honor to leave this life with. So we, we pray, make us followers of a king. Make us followers and builders of a kingdom. Make us children of the Most High God, understanding what that means in a new way today. So the offerings that we bring to you, whether we do it by check or by cash or by prayer or by deed, today, God, we lay them before you. We stand, we sit, we kneel in the offering plate of this world. We say, here am I, send me. Here, here we are, send us. Utilize us for your glory now, we pray. And like Jeff said, million years from now, there will be zero regrets for having a bank account that says zero for the right reasons. A million years from now, maybe 10 years, maybe 100 years, there'll be zero regrets for having gone, for having sacrificed, for having given, for having prayed, for having disciplined, for having read, for having believed and trusted and obeyed, for having abandoned and abided, God. There will be zero regrets. I think just about everything else, why have the woulda, shouldas, and couldas? We pray today. With our free will, God, here is all of our tomorrows. 
forgive us, fill us, send us. Give us hearts that will obey you quickly, regardless of what you ask for now. Listen, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're like, Jim, I, that's, that's me. Raise your hand if that's you. Like, I, today, I'd write with God, the future belongs to him. A brand new start, a new revelation. Like, it's important that something inside of you becomes something that comes through you. So the simple raising of a hand, God, here am I, send me. The Hebrew phrase, Hanani, began so many good things. Here am I, Hanani, here am I, here am I. God speaks, here am I. Today we say to the Lord's voice in response, our voices, here am I, here am I, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? over this room. Did you guys ever hear the story about the three frogs? Three frogs sitting on a log, and they all decided to jump. How many, how many frogs are left? Anybody know? Three frogs sitting on a log. They all decided to jump. How many are left? Three. Because nobody jumped. They just decided. Today, take your decision and jump. Because deciding is not the same as jumping. Amen? How many guys want to be smarter than the frogs? Everybody said amen. God bless you. Can we just say one more time thank you to the Bassettes, their whole family for, gee, that was a, that was a, I don't know, that was a thundering velvet hand from heaven is what that was. I don't get spanked that hard that often and enjoy it. I'm just saying, that was, that was a purifying fire, brother. Can't wait for 11 o'clock service. So God bless you. Do it now. Jump. Make these decisions. Say these prayers. Go on your market set. Live long and prosper. You are dismissed.